In your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. The sermon series uh, for the last couple of months has been called Kingdom Come. And we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew. And now we are uh, finally heading towards the sort of culmination of this message. This message that Matthew is hopefully clearly communicating that Jesus is the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. That Jesus is the one who has authority to forgive sins, to heal those who are sick and hurting, to heal even those who are dead. That Jesus has the power over sin and death. All of this sort of culminates now in the last week of Jesus' life. That Jesus is now sort of like everything that Jesus has been warning about. Guys, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to die. And all of the sort of conflict that sort of brews within it. And Peter and the other disciples saying, no, 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 Jesus, you're all wrong here. That's not how it's going to go. All of it sort of culminates now into this sort of moment, moments before Jesus' arrest. How will God's kingdom come? How will God's will be done? And how will God's will, God's desire to reconcile all of humankind, how will it now culminate in God's reconciliation of sinners and bring the kingdom and bring hope on earth and bring justice and bring peace? How will God do that through Jesus Christ? Let's pray and look at our text today. God, we love you so much. And today, we celebrate Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we need you. And I ask God now that you would open our hearts to you, that we would hear from you through your word once again. Your call to us to love you and to trust you, to know your ways, to know your Son. And today, God, I just pray that in the message of your word, we would be drawn to you, given courage and strength to walk faithfully, to be strong and courageous in faith, to trust in your enduring love and your kindness for us today. We love you, God, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I've titled, or I've uh, looked at this um, text quite a bit in Matthew 26, and, and I'm thinking of calling it, I don't know if this is actually what I'm going to preach, but uh, just calling it that this is the Lord's Prayer in the Garden. We uh, have looked at the Garden of Gethsemane, or I'm sure you have read it before, but uh, for me it was kind of a fresh lens to sort of look at Matthew 26 with the Lord's Prayer in mind. Just to remind you of what that is, and I'm sure most all of you know what it is, but Jesus, back in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, way back in Matthew 6, which seems like forever ago, uh, is where Jesus instructs his disciples how to pray. And he says to them, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I actually think Matthew 6 and verses 6, uh, 6, 9 through 14, I actually think they give us a sort of uh, outline of what is happening in Matthew chapter 26. And I, I would like to make a quick argument as to what that is. And, and you can see if there's a connection there. And I believe there is a point. Uh, so if you just hang with me for a moment, I think the Lord's Prayer guides Jesus through the final hours before his arrest. That Jesus not only gives his disciples a way of how to pray, but he actually does it himself. And he lives the prayer. He lives the Lord's Prayer. And it has me thinking, and here's the challenge. Do we live the Lord's Prayer? Is it not just something that we recite or something that we have memorized and feel good about? It's like, man, that's one of the few ones I got. I got that one and Jesus wept, right? Like you feel really good about those two. It's not just a scripture to be memorized, a scripture to be prayed, but a scripture to be lived. And Jesus embodies this prayer in the final hours of his life. I look at uh, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and there is this moment, this moment when Jesus instructs them, and he says in Matthew 26, he says of them, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying to them, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink of this, all of you, drink from it, all of you. When Jesus is eating, he says, this is our bread. Let's thank the Lord for our daily bread. And he offers to his disciples, I am the bread of life. I am this body broken for you. I am this blood shed for you. Maybe that's a loose connection, but I see it there, that Jesus is embodying this prayer of give us today our daily bread. Jesus offers us himself our daily bread, our daily need for strength, for comfort, for encouragement, for blessing, for forgiveness, for life. Jesus offers us this bread. So when we pray the prayer, Lord, give us today this daily bread, we are asking the Lord to give us Jesus. Give us life, give us hope, give us encouragement today, Lord. Jesus, then he also says in our prayer that we are to forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Are you KJV folks? If you want trespasses, I don't really care. It's forgiveness that matters, right? And he says, this is my blood of the covenant in 26, 28. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is offering himself as the forgiveness. Jesus is embodying this prayer. The call then to also lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Matthew 26, we also see the disciples are wrestling with what's in front of them. And Peter, he says, I will never fall away on account of you. Uh, on account of you. I never will. Jesus, he says, pray this prayer that we would be delivered from evil, that we would be delivered from darkness, that we would be delivered from temptation. And it's the Lord, though, in the midst of the garden, that your will would be done and that your kingdom would come, God. Three times Jesus will recite, your will be done. Jesus is wrestling with how the kingdom of God will come. And he, he knows it is the will of the Father to bring his kingdom. And so he's 
seeking the heart of God. He says, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he prays this prayer over and over again. And that's our text this morning as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing, Let your will be done. Then he returned to the disciples, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Early in his ministry and teaching, Jesus was asked by his disciples how to pray. And he, of course, taught them. Now he invites them not just to pray, but to pray with him. To pray with him. And we could focus on the lack of the success and the faithfulness of the disciples. They keep falling asleep. And you know, it gives me a little peace of mind that even Jesus' disciples fell asleep on him. And so I shouldn't feel so bad when similar situations happen for other people, you know, in other circumstances where, you know, never mind. All right. Yeah, there, you guys work hard all week, and my voice is soothing. I know this, right? I'm thinking about getting a station on jazz radio just to help people fall asleep, you know. <laughs> no, listen to Kenny G, and never mind. I'm losing it. I'm off track. As we also relate to the physical struggles of the disciples, there is, of course, a deeper spiritual issue. There is this constant tension for us, the contention between our physical selves and our spirit, that there is a willing spirit to follow Jesus. If I said, who is ready to follow Jesus? I know we would do really well there. But then when the physical aspects of the demands of following, the demands of trusting, the demands of strength, the demands of moral courage, we find ourselves severely lacking. 
we know this struggle and we know the disciples of Christ that we, with them, do not lack enthusiasm for Jesus. We lack the moral stamina to face the challenges, to face what Jesus asks of us. Just an hour or so earlier, Peter, he was saying to them with great declarations of his loyalty, I will never leave your side. I will stick with you. I will be with you, Jesus. Now he's asleep in the back, in the corner, snoring, drooling. I don't know if the drooling's in the text. It's probably, I mean. Matthew's focus, though, is not on their failures, but the temptation and the torment of Christ, of what he is enduring. It is a foreshadowing of the abandonment that he will face on the cross. So we come to this text aware of the heart of Jesus that is earnestly seeking the will of his Father and Christ's sincere love for us. The torment of this moment, the tension between the darkness of this hour that is before him, the suffering that he will soon endure on the cross. Christ here is longing for companionship, and he is also looking for confirmation. Father, will your, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? It's said by Roderick Finlayson, a professor, he says, Gethsemane is not a field for intellect. It's a sanctuary for faith. Jesus prays for the Father's will. Not because he doubts it, not because he's desiring to avoid it, not because he's even trying to change the will of God. He prays for the Father's will to be done so that he doesn't miss it. So he doesn't avoid it. He is earnestly seeking the will of God. The earnest longing of Christ's heart is for the will of the Father to be accomplished. The three times of prayer are not a, are not a Jesus doubting in the strength and power of God. It's Jesus knowing that he must walk in lockstep with the will of the Father. There's three times in which he asks for the Lord's will to be accomplished, and I think it connects to the temptation in the wilderness of the three temptations there. The temptation to bring the kingdom by some other means and some other pressures, they are now before him again. Will he seek his will or the will of the Father? Will he bring the kingdom without suffering? Will he avoid the shame and go straight for the fame? Will Jesus bring the kingdom by some other means? So Christ seeks the will of the Father, the heart of God, and the strength that he will need from above. And by the time he goes through all of it, he is ready. God answers Jesus' prayers. When the time comes and the betrayer arrives, Jesus says, rise, let us go. This night of anguish, this night of turmoil, this night of suffering of which some of us can relate, maybe not to the level Jesus experienced, but the grief and the sorrow and the tears who has cried so much that they don't know if they have any tears left. This is the anguish Jesus feels. And by the time the morning arrives and the moment comes, Jesus says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus is ready. 
Perhaps if the disciples would have stayed up with him and prayed, maybe they would have been a little more prepared for the moment as well. But we can find plenty of shame and guilt in this passage for ourselves and for the disciples. An honest assessment of our abilities, our stamina, it's not any better than the disciples. But as we navigate this passage, as we navigate this passage, I think we get a sense of what we are called to now. That we are called to pray the Lord's Prayer. We are called to live the Lord's Prayer. We enjoy the Lord's Supper. We partake in knowing that it, through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we have life. We embrace the will of the Father, seeking it with our lives. We pray for the Lord's will to be done. The way Jesus embraces this prayer is not just in word, but it is also in deed. It's an example for us to follow. Christ is the pioneer and the visionary we need to live the Lord's Prayer. It's not just something we say, it's a prayer that we live. Jesus prays and he embodies this moment in prayer. He practices what he preaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Soon he's going to be slapped and beaten. He's going to turn the other cheek. Soon he'll be slandered and persecuted, yet we'll find his life blessed. He will teach us to embody what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, and seek first the righteousness of God. The Garden of Gethsemane is the oil press of faith. What Christ endures there is the hope and it is the guide for us today and it gives us great comfort to look back and when the Hebrews preacher in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, 7, he says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus' fervent cries and tears were in reverent submission of the will of God. We follow Christ into the garden. And we follow him all the way to the grave. And from the grave to a new garden. We follow him into salvation. We follow him into new life. We follow him into the forgiveness of sin. The prayers of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane are heard and answered. Despite all of the temptation to avoid suffering, Christ endures its shame. And I suppose this is the power of prayer. James asks us to consider Elijah, an ordinary human being like you and me. He prayed for the rain to stop, and it stopped. And he prayed for the rain to start, and it started up again. And the heavens opened. And James says, you can pray too. Pray for one another in this way. Pray for each other earnestly, lifting them up before God. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. The aim is that it would not only be the expression of your heart for God, but it would become a guiding light of your life with God. Do I give my full allegiance to the will of God my Father? Do you earnestly seek the will of God the way Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
I'm going to have to talk to the kids about not thumping the floor. Good grief. Hooping and hollering. They played heads up, seven up last week. Got excited about it. Kids having fun in church. We can't have that. (laughs) Friends, I'm inviting you to pray the Lord's Prayer. And not just to read it and say it or through this sort of rote ritual routine. But to seek the will of God the way Christ seeks the will of his Father in the garden. There was nothing rote and routine about it. It was an indication of someone who spent their life in prayer seeking the will of God. And that's what we're invited to. Let's not pray for any more rain, Dick, until we get the seeds in the field, right? But do I give Jesus my allegiance the way, way he calls me to? Do I trust in him for my daily bread? Do I forgive those as he has forgiven me? Do I seek the Lord's forgiveness? Do I ask for my Father to lead me from evil and temptation? In the hour of Jesus' most pressing need, he gives us the exact way in which we pray. Seek the heart of God. And whatever difficulty, whatever struggle, whatever turmoil, whatever suffering, whatever present anguish there is, Jesus says, come and trust in God and his will. Trust in him to provide for what you need every day in the pressing moments of even the most difficult circumstances. All of you have incredible stories of God's faithfulness. I didn't ask for permission. I'm probably going to get in trouble, but Todd and Cheyenne shared this week just a difficult moment in their life when news about Rhett was really, really, really terrible. And they were showered with God's grace and love and his presence. They prayed for the Lord's will to be done. We all did. God hears our prayers in the moments of our deepest anguish. And he says, do this prayer. Trust in God. Seek his will. Know that he will provide for you daily bread, forgiveness of sins. He will lead you from evil and temptation. He will lead you from darkness. He will bring you into light and life and hope and mercy and love and forgiveness. He gives it to you. And he says, would you just pray? Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is nothing we want more as children of God than for his kingdom to come. Because in his kingdom, Jesus will wipe away all death. He will take away all suffering. He will take away all sin. He will take away all brokenness. He will take away all suffering in his kingdom. And so it is the beat of our hearts to say, Lord, let your will be done. And we can trust that his will is much better than our own. I invite you to not just pray the Lord's Prayer, 
but to believe in the Lord's Prayer. To believe in the one who shared it with us. Will you pray that prayer with me? Half of y'all like to trespass us, so we'll do that. So let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Worship team, I invite you guys to come forward. I know that we've been through this series, and it's been an encouragement to me. And I hope today's message is an encouragement to you, that God hears your prayers. In the most difficult of circumstances, especially in Jesus' life, his example is to seek the heart of God. We all are going through something, and our world is going through quite a bit. Let's be the example that Christ was in the garden. Consider all that he accomplished when he sought the will and the heart of God. He invites us to do the same. Seek the heart and seek the will of our Father in heaven today. Let's continue in our worship as we close. We stand in response.